Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down on green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, fear no, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning to you here in this room, down in the venue, uh, those of you in overflow, those of you who are joining us from home, great to uh, be together this morning. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Father, we, are, uh, we gather here today, and it's good to be reminded, um, you are faithful. You are faithful, God, in all your days, and we're grateful for that. God, we are grateful as well that we live in a, a country where we have the freedom to vote and choose our elected officials as we've done this past week. And uh, God, we continue to pray that, that there would be a peaceful conclusion to this election process. And as we're now in this time of transition, God, we, we would ask that you would bless the remainder of President Trump's time in office and that we would, we would ask for guidance for President-elect Biden as he prepares for his administration. So, Father, that there were, after millions and millions and millions of votes, uh, the country, uh, you know, nearly a 50-50 split. Uh, it just demonstrates how divided our country is in some ways. And God, we just ask that you would bring healing. We ask that you would bring a spirit of partnership, a, a spirit of working together for that which is truly good. And whether we personally rejoice in the results or whether we are grieved, may we as Christ followers be peacemakers sharing grace and truth. May we join our voices together and pray, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And may we work for your kingdom and its values. Father, this election changes nothing about our marching orders. You have called us to make disciples of all the nations. You have called us to love you with everything that we are. And you've called us to love our neighbors as ourselves. May we keep our eyes on that calling. And may we live as light in this world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Donald Whitney, a number of years ago, wrote a little book called 10 Questions to Diagnose Your Spiritual Health. I found it a, kind of a useful book for reflection over the years. And uh, in there, he asked a number of different questions, one of which is, are you more sensitive to God's presence? Are you more sensitive to God's presence? In other words, as we mature, as we grow in our walk with Jesus, we should increasingly become more sensitive, more aware of God's presence. He writes this, how often are you aware of the presence of God? If we take the teaching of the Bible seriously, perception of the presence of God should not be an occasional experience. I do not mean that we should frequently feel a supernatural presence for that can be extremely unreliable. Nevertheless, it should not be unusual for us wherever we are to recognize that God is here. How often are you aware of the presence of God? 
How regularly, how consistently do you live with the sense, God, you're here. You're here. This is incredibly important because when we live with an awareness that God is near and when we live with you know, accurate theology about all that that means of who God is, when we live with an awareness that God is near, we can find hope in the midst of dark days. We can find courage to do what is right. We can find strength to turn away from temptation. We can find boldness to live for him. How often are you aware of the presence of God? Today we're wrapping up our study in Psalm 23. And uh, last week, if you were with us, uh, we saw how as, as David came to verse 5, he transitioned from the metaphor of a shepherd and sheep to the metaphor of a, of a host, a generous host. And, and some commentators, as they look at verse 6, believe that uh, the host imagery continues. Others believe that, that, believe that uh, the shepherd and the sheep uh, return. Uh, that's the metaphor that David is using in verse 6. Honestly, I'm not sure if I, I know, uh, but, but I do know that David is very clear. The point is clear. David is talking about experiencing the presence of God, which he honestly has been talking about in this whole psalm. And it was this experience, this experience of the presence of God that enabled David to be able to say, I have a life without lack. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Let me read verse 6 again. He says, Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so David is expressing confidence in, in God's pursuing love. He has confidence in the Lord's pursuing love. When he says surely, he's expressing a certainty that whatever life brings, he's going to continue to experience God's pursuing love. He may go through the valley of the shadow of death, verse 4, or he may experience the presence of enemies, verse 5. Regardless, he is confident of the presence of God, that God's goodness and loving kindness will follow him. And when you think about this word follow, uh, you know, follow can have a, some, some different, um, you know, it could be sort of a lazily uh, bumbling along behind someone, kind of meandering behind, but, but this has a very intense kind of sense to it. Uh, almost always when this word is used in the Old Testament, it refers to enemies pursuing. Good example of this is Exodus 14.4 where, where God tells Moses that he's going to harden Pharaoh's heart and that, that Pharaoh will chase after. That's the sense that it is used most often in the Old Testament. And so the sense of the word here is of a strong pursuit. These things are strongly pursuing David. God's goodness, God's faithfulness will pursue him. And so goodness will pursue him. When we think about good, in our world, good is sort of okay, right? It's sort of, eh, you know, when, when you go look for reviews on something you want to buy, you don't want something that's just good. You want it to have a great review or an excellent review, right? Good is just average. But when it is used of God, uh, it has a very different sense. And uh, I think one of the best ways to understand the weightiness of this word in reference to God is found in Exodus chapter 33 and 34. In Exodus 33, uh, children of Israel have been at Mount Sinai. And uh, God, they're ready to move out. And God tells Moses, it's time to leave, and, and it's time to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And God tells Moses, he encourages him by telling him that his very presence will go with him. And so it's the same kind of context that we're looking at here. He says, my, content, my, my presence will go with you. And in that context, Moses asked God, God, show me your glory. Show me who you are. 
verse 19 of chapter 33, God says this, I myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. So I'm going to make all my goodness. I'm going to help you see my goodness. And so the next morning, Moses rises up, goes, meets God on the mountain, and we read this in 34, chapter 34, verses 6 and 7. Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. All of this is a reflection of the goodness of God. His compassion, his grace, slow to anger, abounding in loyal love and truth, forgiving. All of this is an expression of the goodness of God. This is what pursued David. David also says that God's loving kindness will pursue him. Some of your translations probably say mercy. It's the Hebrew word hesed, which is loyal love. It's loyalty in relationship. It's, it's a word that denotes God's faithfulness to his covenant people. And so what is strongly pursuing David is God's goodness and all that that means. What is strongly pursuing David is God's faithful love and all that that means. Yes, David faces dangers. Yes, David has enemies. But as he comes to the end of this psalm of trust, he is focused on the truth. And in the midst of all of that, there is one who relentlessly pursues him. When you think about how does goodness and loving kindness pursue David, it's not like there's just some cloud of goodness over here and a cloud of loving kindness over here. These things are pursuing him because the good shepherd pursues him. God himself is pursuing David. David says he has this confidence that God will pursue him all the days of his life, regardless of what life would bring him in the future. God's goodness and God's loyal love would be with him each and every day of his life, regardless of the situation. You know, we can have the same confidence of God's good, pursuing love in our lives as well. And there's a lot of places we could go in the New Testament to see this. But let me read in Romans 8, a very familiar passage to many of us. Paul writes this. He says, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, For your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But... In all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us. God is a pursuing God. He pursues us with his faithfulness, his good love. You know, uh, Steve has referred to uh, Luke 15, the, 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 product, or the, the parable of the lost coin and the, the, uh, the lost uh, whatever the other one is, but uh, the, lost, the, the sheep, right? Yeah, and uh, the prodigal son. And uh, uh, God is the father in the prodigal son, right? And, and, and that is revealing a father who's pursuing his son. He's looking for him, and when his son is coming, he runs to him. 
That's our God. He, he pursues us with his loyal, faithful love. We can have the same confidence. He's always seeking, always, always pursuing us. And so because David has his confidence, he, he can say in the last part of the verse, he has confidence in God's presence. He has confidence in God's presence. David says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Dwelling in the house of the Lord is all about experiencing God's presence. It's all about experiencing God's presence. No one actually lived in the house of the Lord, but it's where they experienced God. And so when David says he's going to dwell there, he means it's going to be his regular experience to be in the place where he experiences God's presence. You know, as I was studying this this week, the question came to my mind was, in this, is David saying that it's his commitment to keep? I'm going to put myself there. I'm going to keep going to that place where, where I can experience God. Is it his commitment to keep, or is he just saying, this is my confidence that I have, that because of who God is, I'm going to continue to experience him. I'm going to be in his presence. David certainly sought that experience. In Psalm 27, 4, he prays this. He says, one thing I've asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. So he sought that experience. But I think in Psalm 23, he's simply saying, this is my confidence. Everything in Psalm 23 is about what the shepherd is doing. The shepherd is the one that leads to green pastures and quiet waters. The good shepherd is the one that keeps someone on the right path. The good shepherd is the one who drives out fear as, as David goes through the valley of the shadow of death. The good shepherd is the one who provides a lavish meal in the presence of his enemies. I think David is just saying because of who my good shepherd is, I have this confidence that I will dwell forever in the house of the Lord. I will continue to experience God and his presence because of who he is. And he says, I'll experience that forever. And that literally means length of days, which for David, I think probably in the context of Psalm 23, it's probably best to understand that David is speaking of all the days of his life. David wouldn't have had a fully developed sense of eternal life in the way that we do with New Testament revelation. He's simply expressing the confidence that he will live in God's presence for the duration of his days. We do, however, read this verse in light of the New Testament. And we understand that forever, because of what Jesus has done for us, means all of our days on earth, but it means eternal life as well, right? And so we have this hope, this confidence of dwelling in God's presence each and every day on earth and for eternity in heaven. We can have confidence in God's presence. And the New Testament says this in so many different ways. Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you or forsake you. John 14, when the disciples are troubled by the fact that Jesus was departing, he tells them this, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. In the Great Commission passage where Jesus gives us our marching orders to make disciples, Jesus says, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Over and over again, the New Testament tells us we live in God's presence. David 
had this confidence in the presence of God and made all the difference in the world to him. As believers in Jesus Christ, we can live with the same confidence. The same good shepherd pursues us, and it can make a huge difference as we live our lives in this world, which honestly is not real easy sometimes, right? And so the question is not, is God with us? The question is, are we aware of God's presence? The question is not, is God with us? The question is, are we aware of his presence? Do we live in light of that truth? In Whitney's book that I mentioned earlier, he offers some, some helpful uh, ideas on how we can kind of cultivate a, a growing awareness of God's presence. I want to share a couple of the thoughts that, that he offers. I think they're just helpful. Um, so these are ideas about how you can sort of develop rhythms in your life of cultivating an awareness of the presence of God. And uh, one thing he says is, go often to the place where God has revealed himself most clearly, the Bible. Go often to the place where God has revealed himself most clearly, the Bible. Scripture is the main way that God reveals himself to us. It's where we understand who he is and what he's like and what he does. Go often to the scriptures. The more we read it, the more we meditate on it, the more we hear God's voice, God's guiding voice. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a famous preacher, said this. He said, the more we know it and read it, the more it will take us into the presence of God. And so go often to the scriptures. Read it and meditate on it. Secondly, acknowledge God's presence with you by talking with him. Acknowledge his presence by talking with him. Think about going on a long trip with someone and you're sitting in the front seat together and you don't make, have any conversation on that trip. How much are you experiencing one another if there's no conversation, right? It's, it's communication, it's conversation that allows us to experience one another. And so as you move through your day, acknowledge his presence by talking to him, just like you would a friend. Most of us have times of a prayer as we, we sit for our, our time of devotions, and that's a very good thing. I'm not saying don't do that, but don't limit your talking to God to just those times of devotional time where you're reading your Bible. As you move through your day, talk to God. As you rise up in the morning, talk to God. As you go to bed at night, converse with him. As you're doing your chores, as you're getting the kids ready for school, as you're meeting with friends for, for coffee, as you're studying for tests, as you're in the midst of a challenge at the office or you're out in the field, talk to God as you move through your day. It develops within us an awareness of his presence. Some of you are familiar with Brother Lawrence, who was a uh, 17th century French monk who, who sought to learn how to practice the presence of God at all times. He had a, his, his letters were captured in a little book called The Practice of the Presence of God. And he says this about talking often with God. He says, there's no greater lifestyle and no greater happiness than that of having a continual conversation with God. There's no greater happiness than having a continual conversation with God. When we develop a lifestyle of having a conversation with him, we grow in our awareness of his presence. And David does say in Psalm 1611, in your presence is fullness of joy. And, and having this conversational walk with him helps us become aware of that presence. Third, seek God's presence in corporate worship. That's what we're doing here, right? Seek God's presence in corporate worship. 
Now, certainly there are ways that God reveals himself to us in our private moments, uh, that walk in nature, um, the, the, the time where you're kind of pulling away in your little prayer place where you ever go. God reveals his presence to us in those moments. But there are some aspects of how God reveals himself to us that only happen in the context of the body gathering, corporate worship. And so seek his presence there often. Now, this is hard, obviously, during COVID, right? I mean, some of us are not able to come back yet. It's not, uh, we don't feel comfortable coming back yet. And so there's disruption. And even uh, as we come back, there's, as we have our safety protocols, there's disruption to our corporate gathering, right? All of this uh, makes it harder. But Whitney is right when he says that there's something about corporate worship that helps us become aware of God's presence. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? When he says you, it's plural, he's talking to the church. Do you not know that you're a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And so when we come together and we gather together as the body of Christ, there are some ways that God wants to reveal his presence to us as we worship through song, as we worship through taking the Lord's table like we celebrated last Sunday, as we interact with the diversity of spiritual gifts that God gives us, teaching gifts, encouraging gifts, mercy gifts, compassion gifts, prayer gifts, as we interact with each other with those diversity of gifts, God manifests his presence to us. And so we should not neglect gathering, and and we should come with a sense of this is about experiencing God. Gathering here is not at the checklist. It's what I do on Sunday. It's about gathering to experience God. Finally, the last suggestion from Whitney says, continually reaffirm the truth that God is present. Continually just reaffirm the truth that God is present. Jesus said, I am with you always. And so as you move through your day, tell yourself often, God is here. Over the last three or four days, I have been practicing this. As I get up in the morning, God is here. As I'm in this situation or that situation, declaring the truth, God is here. And so as you move through, try it this week. Try to tell it to yourself often this week. You're in that class. God is here. You're in a difficult relational situation. God is here. You're in a messy, challenging thing at work. God is here. You're in a place where you're struggling with temptation. Tell yourself, God is here. Continually reaffirm the truth that God is present. Because he is. He is present in whatever situation that you are in with all of his goodness and his loving kindness. So tell yourself, declare the truth over and over. God is here. As we wrap up our study of Psalm 23 today, I want to conclude with these words from Dallas Willard from his little book, uh, The Allure of Gentleness. In one section, he writes this about Psalm 23. He says this, Take Psalm 23 into the day with you tomorrow. It is the presence of the Lord with us. God's presence is the whole story. This interaction between us and the God who is present with us always is what the resurrection is really about. The meaning of the resurrection isn't just that Jesus won. It's that he's now living with us. That's faith. That's 23rd Psalm faith. May we be Psalm 23 people living with this confidence that God is always with us. He's always 
pursuing us. He's always providing and protecting. May the presence of Christ become such a tangible thing in our lives that we, like David, can say, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't have any lack. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Can you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful that, that you are God with us, that you have entered into our world. And, and as we move through our days and all the challenges that we face at times, that we are not alone. We don't have to figure out problems on our own. We don't have to try to represent Christ on our own. We don't have to, to do what is good and just on our own. God, you are with us in all that that means in terms of who you are. God, will you grow within each one of us a sensitivity to your presence? May we live in light of that with confidence. May we live bold, strong, vibrant lives for you as we, as we just get clearer and clearer about your presence. God, may we as a church experience you in such real ways that it helps us shine as a, a light, on a, like a city on a hill. God, that we would, we would really live for you because we're experiencing you in such tangible ways and we have a confidence and we live boldly for you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.